You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. I want to thank you for joining us today as we continue in our series on the beginning of the book of Acts. And what we see as we turn our attention to the Acts of the Apostles is the beginning of the church and the way the people of God respond to the calling of Jesus after his ministry on earth, after he goes to the cross and is resurrected from the grave, and then after he ascends into heaven. Acts shows us the early days of the church. And it shows us what the church does as it seeks to live out the calling of God to go into the world, to be a witness, to be on mission for the sake of the gospel, the good news of Jesus advancing to the people of God. So today we're going to be at the end of Acts chapter 2 as we kick off a a focus for the next few weeks on these final few verses of Acts chapter 2. And I want to read from verse 42 and 43 to get us started today. And I know it may seem a little strange or a little awkward, but I am going to ask you if you're willing to stand with me as I read these opening verses wherever you're tuning in so that we all can be reminded the Word of God is our authority and the Word of God is what we stand upon as the people of God, believing that the scripture shows us what God says is right and good and true. So this is Acts chapter two, beginning in verse 42. It says of the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. As we consider God's word together in this study of the early church, would you join me in prayer right now? Father God, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to to turn our attention to your word. And certainly in this time when we have so much swirling around us and so much noise fighting for our attention, Lord, we need to hear from you. And so I pray that you would have your way among us during this time and use your word to speak specifically and intentionally and personally into our lives. I pray that we would not be the same as a result of that which you say. Use this time for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. And if you were standing, go ahead and grab a seat and get comfortable as we step into this this great passage of scripture. And what I'd like to do before we even jump into the, the, the final part of Acts chapter two, which will be our focus for the next few weeks, is I really want to backtrack a little bit. And I want to pick up right where we left off last week in Acts chapter one, verse eight. What we see in Acts chapter one, verse eight is the mission of Jesus for his church, for his disciples to go into the world and be a witness. This is what the scripture says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, Jesus says, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
And it is from this call, this call to the mission, that we as a church here at Shandon have adopted our mission statement in seeking to live out what Jesus has called his church to be all about. Our mission statement as a church is leveraging who we are and what we've been given for the sake of the gospel wherever we are and wherever God takes us. This call to live the mission is a call to go into the world as a witness, as Jesus says, to to go share the good news of what Christ has done. But certainly, We recognize, especially as Jesus was saying this mission and laying out this call for the first disciples, this is no small task at all. It's one thing for Jesus to tell his disciples, hey, go and be a witness in your hometown. Go and be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria in the the area in which you live. But then Jesus tacks on this other little statement and be a witness to the end of the earth. What an overwhelming idea. Can you put yourself in the shoes of the early disciples as they hear this calling? As they hear, this is the mission. If you are a follower of Jesus, take the gospel to the world. No planes, no trains, no automobiles, no internet, no Google Maps, no cell phones. Just a missionary call. Go to the end of the earth with the good news of the gospel. But Jesus tells his disciples, and Jesus tells you and me, you've been given a secret weapon in this mission. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to equip and empower you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ to go and be a witness to the world. And as Jesus makes this statement, just a few short days later, the miraculous happens. As we see in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God fall on the people of God and establish the early church in power. This is what the scripture calls the events of Pentecost. I want to turn your attention to the beginning of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, the disciples, were gathered all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said they would, and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The church literally explodes onto the scene at Pentecost. God is showing his disciples that he is filling them with power, a divine supernatural power to carry out the mission that has been laid before them by Jesus. Can you imagine this scene? 
Man, I wish the disciples had cell phones where they could have filmed what was taking place at Pentecost. I mean, can you imagine if your social media feed began to blow up with scenes of tongues flying around a room and a mighty rushing wind invading a room with a group of people and fire floating in there? I mean, this is absolutely incredible. This is the power of God on display, filling the early disciples with his power so that they could recognize what they have been called to do as the church is a supernatural divine calling. This is not about their strength. This is not about their creative ability. This is not about coming up with some great strategy. This is about the power of God at work in them. And instantaneously, when they receive the Spirit of God, they can speak in a language that was not their own. We see how this plays out beginning in verse 5 of Acts 2. Look at what takes place. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? This is an amazing scene. As the events of Pentecost take place, they are so explosive, the scripture says, that the Jews who have gathered in Jerusalem to worship all around the city hear of this amazing thing that has taken place with the first disciples and they come to see what in the world is all this ruckus? What is this commotion all about? And as they join together, With these early disciples, these religious devout Jews from all around the world, all speaking different languages, can instantaneously understand the message of the gospel as it's being spoken in their native tongue. But what's so amazing is the people speaking their native tongue had never been able to speak that native tongue until this day. Imagine if the International School of Business at the University of South Carolina here in Columbia had a global conference and invited people to come from all over the world and gather at the Colonial Life Arena for this big conference. And the the hosts or the greeters of this conference as people were coming in from all around the world were a bunch of college students from the state of South Carolina speaking South Carolinian English with that Southern drawl. And as these visitors are coming into the room from all over the world, all of a sudden students from Lexington and Camden and Charleston and Greenville begin speaking to these guests from around the world in their native tongue. What an amazing event that would be. 
In a sense, this is what we're seeing here as the events of Pentecost are unfolding. God is showing off his power through his early disciples and he is showing the church in its infancy that his mission will be accomplished. It's an overwhelming mission to consider. Just take the gospel to the entire world. But God is showing at the very beginning of the church as they are fueled with power from the Spirit that this mission will move forward as the church follows in faith what God has led the church to do. The next thing we see in Acts chapter 2 is Peter standing up and he begins to preach The gospel and everyone that is gathered can understand what Peter is saying again in their own native tongue. And he tells them what Jesus has done and he tells them about the cross and the resurrection. And he tells them about their own sin and their need for a savior and how Jesus has done everything that the prophet said the Messiah would do. He has fulfilled prophecy by going to the cross cross, rising from the grave, defeating sin and death and offering forgiveness to sinners like you and like me. And as they hear the gospel preached for the first time since the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension into heaven, this large crowd begins to respond. They cry out to Peter as he preaches this sermon and they say, what should we do? How should we respond to what we are hearing about Jesus? Please don't miss this. Peter then says the most important point that any sermon could ever make. Peter responds to their question and he says to the people, you must repent and turn to Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and following. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What do we do after hearing what Christ has done? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The church explodes onto the scene. Now for some of you today, this sermon that Peter preached and the response that Peter gave to the question, what shall I do in light of what Jesus has done? This is the only message you need to hear. Don't miss this. Stay with me here. For some of you, This is what you've been searching for for a long time. 
For some of you today, this is exactly what you need to hear. And God is speaking to your heart right now. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He rose from the grave, defeating your sin and inviting you to receive the gift of forgiveness, the gift that we call salvation through the finished work of Christ. So the call for you is repent. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus who is waiting for you with open arms, offering you mercy and grace in the new life that comes to those who are saved by his work. You see, Peter said it best. This crooked generation will not save you. There are many things that you may be looking to, to provide fulfillment for your soul, for your heart. There are many things that you may be chasing after right now, trying to find the desires of your heart. But this crooked generation will not save you. Salvation comes through Christ alone. And the gift of salvation is being offered to you. So trust Jesus. And if you have trusted your life to Jesus Be baptized. Go public. Show that you are following Jesus with your life. You may want to stop right now and just text the word respond to the number that's on the screen. Because our team here at Shandy would love to follow up with you. We believe that the decision to follow Jesus is the most important decision that you could ever make. And if you've never gone public with that decision and you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus, we would love to follow up with you. We'd love for you to be baptized in the days ahead. This is the call of Jesus for you. Repent of your sin. Trust what Christ has done. And receive the good news of the gospel that offers you new life and the forgiveness of your sins. After that first sermon from Peter on that day, the scripture says 3,000 people respond the way some of you might be responding right now. This is the miraculous birth of the church. So then there's a huge issue. What do you do when a brand new church goes from a small group to 3,000 in one day? What do you do when 3,000 brand new Christians don't have a clue how to live as followers of Christ? Do you tell them they need to go find a really nice building where they can attend a service from time to time? And if they're really devoted, where they can attend a service every week? Is that what you do? No. You tell them what it means to be the church because they are the church. And this is what I want to drive home as I close this message today. As we go back to the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, we are reminded of what has been so painfully clear to all of us in recent months. The church is not 
a building. Let me say it again. The church is not a building where you go or a place you attend. The church is the people of God living out the mission of God, living in such a way that the world around us outside of the building can see the good news of the gospel alive in us. And please don't misunderstand me. It is such a privilege to gather together for worship. We are called to gather together for worship, be it online, be it in person. The scripture reminds us on many occasions, we're not to neglect the gathering of the saints. We need one another. We need to be encouraged in worship together. And I have missed our times gathered in person over the last few months like crazy But the coronavirus did not close the church because the church is not a building. The church is the people of God living out the mission of God. And the reason we gather for worship, the reason we come together is to be equipped and inspired to go out into the world to live the mission beyond the walls of the church building because what happens in here, in the church building or in this gathering online, what happens right here is intended to change the way we live out there. What an opportunity. What an opportunity we have right now in our specific context for such a time as this to live as the church outside the walls of the building when so many people are not able or not ready to attend a church service in a building. Perhaps God is inviting us to be the church in a way that we have not been the church in quite some time. Perhaps God has given us an unprecedented opportunity in these unprecedented times to be the church and share the gospel outside the walls of the building. We have had some amazing things happen in this regard in recent months. There have been several groups from here at Shandon that have begun to meet in homes over the last few months to have watch parties to join into the service online together so that they could intentionally invite neighbors and pursue neighbors with the good news of the gospel. They're having watch parties of the service. They're having backyard cookouts and back porch Bible studies to talk about the good news of what Christ has done. God has given us an incredible opportunity to intentionally pursue our neighbors and pursue our street and pursue those around us with intentionality in a way that perhaps we have not done before. To be the church right where we live. I want to close with this quote that I love from the book Gaining by Losing, written by Pastor J.D. Greer. He says this, the local church is the paint that makes the invisible Christ visible to our community. In its fellowship, its 
holiness of life, its multicultural diversity, its selfless acts of love, and its forgiveness and boldness, it reveals the contours of the eternal heavenly Christ that dwells within them. When local churches equip their people to embody the gospel in the streets, they make the movements of an otherwise invisible Christ visible to their community. That's the calling that Jesus has given his church. And that's what we'll begin to dive back into next week as we look at the end of Acts chapter 2, where we started today, we're going to come right back to it. We're going to look at the way the church responds to the gospel exploding in their midst and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit equipping them to live the mission. But as we close today, let's be crystal clear. The church is not a building. The church is the people of God living out the mission of God together as witnesses, Acts 1-8, of what Christ has done in a watching world that is longing for hope. Our mission is to leverage who we are And what we've been given for the sake of the gospel, wherever we are and wherever God takes us. Let's not miss the opportunity that God has given us to be the church for such a time as this. Even as we begin to have opportunities to gather back together, let's remember that we are called to go be the church right where God has placed us. Let's live the mission. Let me pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, I am so very grateful for what we see in the miraculous divine empowerment of the church in its infancy in the book of Acts. Oh, it's incredible to see the supernatural power of the Spirit descending on the people of God so that the people of God can recognize this mission that they have been called to is not about their strength. It is all about you at work in us. Lord, I pray that we would trust in your divine power to fuel us to live the mission. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us eyes to see the opportunities that you are opening up all around us to be the church right where you've placed us, right on our street, right in our offices, right with our neighbors. Lord, give us eyes to see the mission and give us hearts of faith to live it out. Lord, I pray specifically for those who are joining us who have never received this good news of the gospel in a personal way that we've been talking about throughout this message. Lord, I pray that today would be the day for them where they step out on faith, where they, where they do exactly what that first sermon of the church says. Repent. They turn from their sin. 
turn to Jesus saying, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. And I am trusting my life to you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sin and make me new. Oh, we praise you for this good news of the gospel that we are so privileged as your church to carry. Use us to carry this good news to those who need to hear it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you again real soon.